There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, we're going to look these people in the eye and we're going to go, called it? Yeah, called it, called it. Who had uh, three o'clock on a Tuesday? Yeah, sweet. Here are the 10 exact moments we knew these Star Trek characters were doomed. Number 10, Engineer Olsen, Star Trek 2009. Ah, I mean, I had to start with a red shirt. There was no question as to whether I had to start with a red shirt or not. And Engineer Olsen is one of the most red-shirted red shirts who ever red-shirted. He's not even just wearing a red shirt, he's wearing red spandex and he's getting ready to kick some Romulan ass. In orbit above the planet of Vulcan, you've got Nero ship Narada is firing through an orbital platform down into the planet's core. Vulcans are not very happy about this, and the Enterprise is not very happy about this, but the Enterprise is absolutely no match for the Narada. Pike comes up with an idea of sending a team down to this orbital platform consisting of Kirk, Sulu, and Olsen. They're gonna send down some charges, blow the platform, easy peasy. Right, grand, except aforementioned redness and uh, there's no way Kirk and Sulu are going to have a bit of an accident on that platform. Olsen jumps straight past his parachute point. There's a little bit of a cheer, like he's a bit of a daredevil. Deploys his parachute and... Right up into the arse of the orbital platform. Not a nice way to go. Number 9. Valkris, Star Trek III The Search for Spock. Ah, this is the death I like to call First Dates from Hell. Valkris, who is just being pretty cool, has decided she's gonna bring her lord a gift. And what's that gift? Well, it's all the details in the Project Genesis, of course. She's been hired and has subsequently sub-hired a team to go and find this information to bring it back to Commander Krug, who views the Genesis torpedo as a dreadful weapon against the Klingon Empire. And considering how it could be used, one can understand his logic. As they start to review this information on the bridge of the Klingon Bird of Prey, Krug is like, yes, yes, I was, I was right to do this. And Valkyrie is like, yeah, I think you'll find it useful. And he's like, excuse me, come again. Now, all of this being done over radio, of course, because she's still aboard the Merchantman, which is armed with the strongest tulips this side of Holland. Krug says it's unfortunate that she's seen it, to which she goes, ah, crap. The bird of prey swings away. She takes it in her stride. The captain demands to know, hey, when do I get paid? Soon, captain. Quite soon. The bird of prey opens fire. It was a quick date. Number eight, Sobor. The changing face of evil. Look at Sobor's face. Isn't he just lovely? He's really nice. So what the hell was he doing hanging out with Kai Wynn and Anjol Tanon? This was the culmination of a couple of episodes of Goldukat's attempt to infiltrate his way into Kai Wynn's, well, bed and gain access to the text of the Costumogen. Now Sobor is a devout, stuffy uh, Vedek who is, of course, is a monk. He's generally he's been shown as he's good people 
He's about as much fun as watching paint dry, but that's not the point. The point is that he's working for, you know, the general betterment and on behalf of the profits. Hey, Kai Wen, can you say the same? At this point, she is well aware that she is working for the power rates. Now, she doesn't know yet that it's Ducat who's working with her. Unfortunately, it takes a blow to the cheek for Sobor to discover this because he tries to take the cost of the Mojin away. Good Ducat punches him straight in the face. And he has the wherewithal to go and get that DNA analyzed. Discovers he's not a Bajoran, he's a Cardassian, he's Gold Ducat. And he walks in, not smug, but he walks in righteous. He's like, right, my, my Kai has been corrupted by Ducat. And then he sort of starts to put two and two together and he says, there's a fierce amount of devil worshiping going on in this room. So he says, I'm out of here. And he ends up on the wrong end of the knife, but it's Wynn's knife, because they had sunk far too deep. The problem is the second he walked through that door that morning, Sobor was a dead man. Number seven, Malik, the Augments. There's a little rule in Star Trek. It's a fairly simple one, right? It's even more simple than the Prime Directive, which is interpreted whatever way the episode needs it to that week. No, no, this rule is nice and simple. Don't commit genocide. Think of characters in the past who've threatened this. Khan, for example, to keep on the Augment theme. Of course, there was Kodos the Executioner. Yeah, look, you know, kind of frowned upon. So, when Malik says that a good way to distract the forces chasing he and the rest of his augments would be to detonate a augmented viral load in the atmosphere of a Klingon moon, therefore forcing the Klingon and Federation, or Starfleet at the time, into war with each other, that might be a step too far. Dr. Arik Sung certainly thinks so. This trilogy had seen the return of augmented, genetically engineered humans. They had been raised and cared for by Dr. Arik Soong until they started doing what we generally see genetically engineered people do in Star Trek. Julian Bashir being a massive exception here to the rule. So he threatens genocide. Soong is like, would you mind not doing that? And while he doesn't do that, Malik continues on and on down his path of madness until it destroys him, it destroys his ship, and it drives Soong into AI. Number six. Cybo, Wolf in the Fold. Wolf in the Fold is one of the very few truly horrific episodes of Star Trek. It's a great Halloween watch if you're ever stuck for one to look at. It was written by Robert Block, who at the time was best known for writing the novel Psycho. He was also quite well known as a student of Lovecraft and an absolute fanatic of Jack the Ripper. And it's the Ripper who is the central killer in Wolf in the Fold. The episode opens with the death of a young woman in a smoky alleyway. Then there follows the death of a female crew member. Now this leads up to, unfortunately, you know, Saibo standing there and she is the, she's the clairvoyant wife of the administrator of the colony. You know, she starts to say that oh, I might be able to have a seance to find the killer. And everyone around the room, I mean, the fact that they don't go, should, should we put a bodyguard on her? Should we, you know, not turn the lights off? Needless to say, they don't put a bodyguard on her, they don't turn the lights off, and she screams and dies. Now, of course, it serves the plot. It was a little bit of, she never stood a chance, as opposed to, oh, what a dreadful and upsetting shock that was. Slight consolation in that, yes, the killer is identified fairly quickly after this, and after a brief sojourn into the computers of the Enterprise, he's beamed out into space. Bye-bye, Red Jack. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. Plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Number five, Senator Vrenik in the pale moonlight. It's a fake! Basically, the moment he said those words, he was dead. The entire episode in the pale moonlight is told in flashback. It's told through Cisco's log. And then it's all about the entire episode. All of these efforts are going into bringing the Romulans into the war. This is the moment we know as an audience at any cost. Garrick is hired early in the episode to help Cisco come up with a plan like, as I say, to bring the Romulans into the war. He comes up with the idea of designing this hollow recording, which will show the Dominion planning to attack Romulus, reneging on their treaty. Now, Garrick is absolutely convinced that the forgery will be perfect and it will pass the inspection. Listen, don't worry about it, Ben. You just go off now and do your job. You leave me to worry about this. The senator arrives on the station. He is given the hollow recording. He wants to inspect it. He does. It's a fake. That's the last we see of the senator because the next we hear, he's dead. His shuttle exploded shortly after leaving Deep Space Nine. Cisco runs straight to Garrick's tailor shop and gets a lot of righteous anger out of him. And Garrick, to his credit, he doesn't laugh, he doesn't do anything, he doesn't even give out to him. He's like, do what you do to make you feel better. You hired me for a reason. And it's in that moment that we all know he is right. Cisco knows it, the audience knows it. We knew it from the moment Vrenik said it's a fake. He was always going to die, the Romulans were always going to join the war effort. Garrick was just gonna sit there, hemming his pants, knowing he might have just saved the Alpha Quadrant. Number four, Duras Reunion. Here's a hint if you want to survive very long. Don't kill Worf's mate. Don't. Just don't do it. You know, anything else, really. Kill Alexander. Just not Worf's mate. Kalar returns to Star Trek The Next Generation in this fourth season episode, having first appeared in season two. Now, she is there primarily to see the ascension of the new Klingon High Chancellor, who will either be Duras or Gowron. Now, the problem is that Prior to her arrival on the Enterprise the second time, Worf had accepted this commendation as a way to cover up the crimes of Duras's family because they were just too powerful. There would have been a civil war. Kalar discovers this. Kalar is discovered. Duras arrives in her quarters and, by all accounts, the fight looks like it was brutal but quick. Worf and Alexander come and find effectively what's left of her. She survives long enough to tell him that it was Duros. And then you could almost imagine Eye of the Tiger starts playing over the episode as Worf walks out, walks to his quarters, off the combat, off the ball drip, picks up the batlet, does a little bit of a stretch, cracks his neck, beams over to the Klingon ship, just in time for Riker and Data to walk into the room, slams the batleth down into Duros's chest. 
There was never a question as to whether Duros was walking away from this one. Worf acted completely within Klingon law, and while Picard may not have liked it, can't honestly say it was the wrong thing to do. Number three, Lieutenant Carey, Friendship One. Joseph Carey, like, could you not just hung out down at deck 15 for the rest of season seven, no? We hadn't seen Joe Carey since basically season one, when he had been in the running to be chief engineer of Voyager after they arrived in the Delta Quadrant. You know, this man suffered. He took a broken nose off Balana so that he would be able to just basically get his job done. Janeway rewards gumption like that, and Lana broke your nose. Good on you, Balana, chief engineer. Carey, go scrub some toilets. Which is effectively what happened because he vanishes for about five years. And then he comes back in this episode. And again, they had the good grace not to put him in a red shirt, but I mean, they might as well have. The mission that week, actually assigned by Starfleet, is to go and get the remains of the old space probe Friendship One, which they then discover has unfortunately caused a nuclear winter on this planet. Therefore, the locals are not best pleased when those who sent the probe appear. Just before they beam down, Carey starts talking about the fact that he has a daughter and, you know, he's married, he's looking forward to getting home, and he might as well say that he has a boat that they've christened the Live Forever. Yeah, he dies pretty quickly. So they set up some transport enhancers to see if they can beam him out, and as he's beaming, some it shoots him straight in the chest so his dead body is beamed up to Voyager. Naturally, the Doctor does absolutely nothing because that would have damaged the entire message of the episode. The only thing missing from this scene is if he didn't get his immortal last lines to be, Ah, I had one day left to retirement. Number two, Lieutenant Hawk, Star Trek First Contact. The second, the second you see him in that zero gravity suit, you're just like, ooh, will it be a disruptor or will he be assimilated? Which one would it be? Hmm. I mean, Hawk got a fierce amount of lines for an extra. Okay, he's slightly more than an extra, but he's not main bridge crew. He's not Data. He's not Geordi. He's, you know, kind of, oh, he's the con officer. All right, con officer, how are you getting on? Hey, you know, and he gets to save you things. You're like, hey, good for you, man. This is, this is great. This is frankly how Sulu got started in the business, so keep it up. Unfortunately, he get it up just a bit too quickly. He was like, oh, I'll go on the away mission. Don't volunteer. Do not volunteer for an away mission until you have three seasons in a movie under your belt. So Picard manages to make his way back to the bridge. We get a great kind of hero shot of Hawk pointing his phaser directly down the Jeffrey's tube. The Jeffrey's tube, which is unguarded, which runs directly under the bridge, which the Borg could have gone through at any moment. No, no, this is not a plot holes in Star Trek First Contact list. So, Picard comes up, says, well, they're doing stuff with the deflector, interplex and beacon. It's all great. I know. Let's go zero G. A bit like the previous entry, they do have the good grace not to make the maglock that he is trying to open the red one. At least that's Picard's one. He gets the yellow, which I suppose in a way is next generation security. Poor Hawk. We hardly knew ye. Number one, Admiral Cornwell, Such Sweet Sorrow, part two. Such Sweet Sorrow, part two, is an excellent way to end that era of Star Trek Discovery, while also, although we didn't know it at the time, serves as a cheeky backdrop, kind of backdoor pilot, to Strange New Worlds, because you have the Enterprise and the Discovery fighting side by side against Control. It's a visually fun, you know, high heart rate episode. Unfortunately, poor Katrina Cornwell does not fit in either of these storylines from this point. Had Section 31 had been more or less announced, so God only knows what's going to happen with that show eventually. But we kind of knew Ash Tyler was fairly safe. Fairly safe. That left Giorgio. She'd already died once. You know, somebody had to bite the bullet. And there was Katrina going, I guess I'll do it then. And when a torpedo impacts in the saucer section of the Enterprise, yeah, you can kind of see where this is going. 
She hurries down to the impacted site. She finds that it's unexploded and they're trying to disarm it. Number one joins her. They try very, very quickly. It starts to kick off. It's, you know, it, it's gonna blow, it's gonna blow. Number one tags out, Pike walks in and he's like, oh crap, okay, right, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna have to seal this behind some uh, bulkheads, which they couldn't have done like one deck behind. Anyway, anyway. And of course, because this is television, they were like, ah, oh, but it only closes from this side. And I swear you can even see Cormac go, yeah, fine, you have your own show to lead. Go on, get out, I'll do it. With complete professionalism and complete ease, she sends Chris away, she locks the door, and he has to watch through this door that's made of frickin' adamantium. She gets dissolved in the flames of the torpedo. Look, at least it was quick. It was not the smartest way to write out a character, I won't lie, but it was a hero moment for the Admiral, who had been a fairly consistent badass for two seasons of Star Trek Discovery. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.